0: Cindy W., Ryan S., and Mike P. Jordan Trimble has returned to the show today. Jordan is President, CEO, and Director of Sky Harbor Resources, an Athabasca Basin Canada-focused uranium explorer with multiple projects including the cornerstone Moore uranium project along with some other properties and joint ventures. Sky Harbor is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol SYH and also on the USOTC markets under the symbol SYHBF. Jordan, welcome back to the show and how are things in the office? Yeah, things are good. I'm uh, happy to be back, it's been
1: almost exactly a year so we have lots to catch up on. It's been uh, nothing short of uh, an interesting and volatile year. Uh, lots has obviously happened in, in in our market, uranium market, so uh, happy to be back and looking forward to the uh, interview.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you back. and Jordan, let's start out here maybe with the current macro picture for uranium, you know, given the most recent events only as you and I have beat to death, the prior events and and the bigger theme, but maybe just the recent events, but what's your position here uh, with the current supply deficit and the recent events that have happened over the last, let's call it a year, and how long do you really see this annual deficit continuing to last?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you and I have talked extensively about uh, the supply-demand fundamentals, and uh, you know, look, the supply-demand fundamentals for this commodity have been um, very compelling from an in, a contrarian investor standpoint for years. Um, you know, we saw a market that uh, uh, in uh, 2014, 2015, 2016 was was under siege. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the Fukushima disaster. Uh, led to a, a major sell-off. Um, you had uh, a lot of supply coming out of uh, certain parts of the world, including Kazakhstan, and so you, you know you had a market that, from an investment standpoint, was uh, was not a place you, you really wanted to be. And uh, we we took that as a Signal to get to get in there and start acquiring projects uh, back in 2013 and 2014, and that that's when I started running the company. And we're we're now, you know, we're at I think an important um, inflection point here. I, I, you know, as I said uh, a year ago, I, I truly believe that 2016, the end of 2016, was the bottom of the market when we saw the price uranium price drop below eighteen dollars a pound, one of the lowest it's ever traded at, in inflation adjusted terms. We've seen a a steady grind higher, although it's you know it's been volatile. It's you know it's there's been good and bad days as we know. But uh, look, the the supply demand fundamentals in particular in the last year um, have have just uh, gotten more and more compelling. So uh, we look at you know back in 2016 when when the prices were uh, in the gutter near the bottom, um, uh, we had a supply. Uh, annual primary mine supply of over 116 million pounds and you know that was in the backdrop of about 180 to 190 million pounds of annual demand well we've seen that steadily decline and we've seen uh, a number of uh, pretty major production cuts initially from the low price environment that we were in uh, you know at 25 30 a pound uh, where we're at currently there's not much production out there that makes money You need a much higher uh, uranium price to to bring that production back online and a much much higher price to incentivize new mine builds and then just in the last 12 months and again uh, since our our you know our last interview uh, almost exactly a year ago right before the pandemic uh really got serious here in North America um uh we've seen a an exacerbated uh, supply uh situation and, and supply disruption globally at one point Back in April, uh, we saw almost 50% of global primary mine supply offline with the shutdown of Cigar Lake, and that's, uh, as you're well aware, currently shut down again uh, because of COVID uh, and then supply disruptions in the largest producing region in Kazakhstan uh, and a number, a number of other mines globally that had uh, an, uh, an intermittent shutdown uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, so uh, looking at the demand picture here, and I, I think this is a highlight point too, the demand side has been relatively stable. Um, you know, that's something that I know the industry in, in general, uh, certainly we were looking at uh with fingers crossed that it wouldn't get hit too hard uh, given everything that's transpired in the last year. And we've seen a relatively negligible impact on the demand side, which is which is good to see. Uh, nuclear reactors aren't the easiest source of electricity generation to simply turn on and off. So uh, you would see other uh, sources of electricity uh, generation turned off, uh, like renewables, uh, that are easier if there's less electricity demand. Generally speaking, because of a, s- a slower economy. Um, but um, yeah, we've seen this major supply deficit that's formed to the tune of uh, what what appears to be in 2020, 50 to 60 million pound primary mine supply deficit. So you know, that's eating into uh, secondary supplies, that's eating into inventories and stockpiles, but. Uh, that can only last so long, and I guess you know that is the that's the tougher question to answer is you know how long uh, can that last and uh, you know time will tell. My my uh, opinion on it is that I, I think we're at the end of the line here uh, with utilities drawing down inventory. I, I think uh, you're seeing that you, you can see that to a certain extent uh, on the spot market too with less mobile. Uh, inventory uh, out there, uh, mobile supply out there coming into the market. Uh, you're, you're already seeing that market tighten up. Uh, you've, you're seeing that as well with producers like Cameco and, and now more recently Kazatomprom having to purchase material uh, in the spot market because they've had to shut down production. Um, so I, I, you know, to answer the question, how much longer uh, can this last with this supply deficit? I mean, look, the, the supply deficit. I think. Uh, will last uh, a while, uh, could last a while, uh, but when when is that going to have a major impact on the on the price of the commodity? Uh, you know, time will tell, but I, I have the feeling that uh, it'll happen uh, sooner than later.
0: You well, know, lots of stuff that's happened, and uh, they've got a lot of pounds to buy, and they haven't started yet this year. We'll see what happens. We know what happened last year as far as the little bit of pounds that were tried to be secured in the spot market and what that did to the price. We saw the mm-hmm. results of that. And of course, that immediately pulled back. And the thought process, I think, was, you know, let's get Cigar back online. Let's get some of the pounds that we know we can get from our own mine. And then, of course, uh, COVID had other ideas. And quite frankly, aside from COVID, I think that also there was some economic considerations for saying, well, you know what, let's just shut it back down, even though they wouldn't say that. But. That's a great setup. And to my question about the deficit, I think that's a question of incentive price plus lead time. So it's not unreasonable to see that based on the existing global capacities to restart, add incentive price plus, and then add your lead time. This can go on for many years.
1: And, Absolutely. Uh,
0: so Absolutely. This, and I want to you know, couple that with my next question here. But what's your view on the uh, the thought process, Jordan, that this recovery will be an incumbent recovery, meaning that the existing global production centers at incentive price can satisfy demand for the foreseeable future, or are you of the view that new capacity must be built? I'm the latter. I'm
1: I'm of the view that new capacity, new production is going to have to come online. I mean, again, uh, with COVID you had primary mine supply just, uh, just above 120 million pounds with uh, annual demand relatively sticky and and growing, right, um, growing uh, in particular in certain places like China and India um, and uh, other parts of the developing world. Um, 50 to 60 million pound primary mine supply deficit, um, you know, even with the restart at Cigar, uh, even with uh, ramp up um, of in in Kazakhstan, you just saw their numbers they came out with uh, i think it was yesterday uh, a nineteen percent decrease in twenty twenty relative to twenty nineteen and issues with their uh well field development and you know that that can have a lingering impact and we can get into that later but um even with the ramp up or the Turning back on of these uh, of of these mines, we're we're still in a a, a primary mine supply deficit. Where we're, you know even if you look at 2016, prior to some pretty significant production curtailment, including Macarthur, you had a you know supply primary mine supply deficit. So it, it really then boils down to how much inventory is out there. Uh, which as you and I have discussed uh, is is never an easy easy number to get uh, or to lock in on. But you know we we are seeing, as I pointed out in the spot market, we're we're seeing a strain there. Uh, we're we're going to I think continue to see that, uh, especially uh, as uh, we see producers continue to have to buy material. Um, and, and you know you want to just you know highlight a, another point too. But you know the the longer that we see um, this uh, major supply deficit last. Um, it's not just about how much inventory is being drawn down, or um, you know how, how much stockpile they're drawing down, but it's going to eventually force the hand of the utility companies, right? They're, they're, they haven't been contracting. It's been a lot of material transacted. Uh, in the spot market in the last few years, and relative to the long-term and contract market, and as you and I both know, that's that's the the big catalyst here. That's the, you know, that's the major driver uh, going forward for this metal and for the movement in the price is to have a resumption of uh, normal contracting uh, with the utilities, and we already know um, that they uh, are low on inventories certainly relative to where they have been historically Uh, and when they do start contracting uh, and do uh, start uh, procuring and having to meet their requirements uh, later on in this decade and in in the 2030s not only are they going to be buying but they're going to have to uh, restock as well um, given that they've fallen below their typical historical thresholds right and so uh, I think uh, you know it's 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 uh, the, this confluence of factors, which again we've you know we've talked about at length for a number of years. What's what's interesting is it's uh, it was a, it appears to now be uh, it's going to be a black swan event uh, that's going to lead us out of this um, and lead us out of it. Meaning, you know, people are now investors in particular are now starting to pay attention to the sector. It was a black swan event that led us into this back at, at Fukushima. Uh, and uh, no one would have predicted a pandemic uh, like we've seen. No one would have predicted the kind of supply disruption that was already, that exacerbated the the existing uh, supply constraints. And and it just, it goes to show, um, and this is pretty typical for this metal and this commodity, the risks to the supply side uh, far exceed the risks to the demand side. And, and that's a function of the production globally being uh, concentrated both geographically and geologically. When you get, you know, just a couple of mines, take Cigar and MacArthur for example. I mean, these are these are major production centers of uranium, and one of them goes offline. Um, you know, that's ten to twelve percent of uh, global primary mine supply that's offline. So that, even for a few months, like we're seeing right now with Cigar Lake, you know, Cigar Lake will will restart at some point here, but for each passing month, um, you know that's uh, that's a significant amount of pounds taken out of the market. So it's a it's the supply side response is is has driven the initial part of this recovery, but the catalyst uh, to bring I, I think investor interest and you know positive. Sentiment for investors in uranium uh, was, you know, was it was, a, it was a, a, you know, unfortunately a, a black swan event uh, that, you know, really crippled the supply side. And now it's now what we're seeing, which is interesting, uh, just in the last few months. And I think this is what you can attribute some of the uh, the, the share price gains to is the is the potential for growing demand, a demand side uh, that's getting garnering attention. Uh, because of the ESG movement and because of the momentum globally right now and the push globally right now for uh, ca- carbon neutrality and clean energy, and uh, so you know we're we're in a we're at an interesting point. Um, you know, I, I, I revert back to you know one simple fact: uh, the the, the metal still trading thirty dollars a pound, uh, historically a low price, well below the average all in cost of production and certainly well below uh, the uh, the price needed to incentivize uh, any new meaningful production uh, to come online.
0: Lots of stuff to talk about there and my comments would just be that for supply balance to come back into the market, a lot of things have already gone right for us and uh, a matter of fact, a substantial amount of things have already gone right when that occurs. I think also that people kind of forget about, you know, some of these mines like MacArthur's, you know, this is a classic, I mean, this thing, peak life has already passed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's not a lot of time left, it's been somewhat high graded, you know, cigars kind of in the same boat, not near as bad as MacArthur, but these don't have a lot of life left in terms of when you talk mine years, you know, in comparison to longer life assets and newer assets that have been brought on. But then also you know just with uh, the removal of Ranger you know Common Act coming offline and you know this assumption that BHP was going to expand Olympic Dam that's another one that I do think that they will expand that when the copper price is much higher and of course the sentiment around copper is uh, different I think that will eventually happen but it's those types of things that you just won't see these types of projects come on anytime soon and meanwhile we're still depleting and closing other projects. And then you have to fight through the permitting process to get these other projects coming on that have any really notable significance as far as the utilities goes i really think that mcdonald's has a better inventory than these utilities um, <laughs> so it's going to be interesting and when they all come we'll typically be in a frenzy fashion and i think we'll see that same type of activity happen again yeah and the yeah olympic dam yeah, bhp i mean look that's
1: you know that's uh, i think something that kind of got glossed over by the investing community, that's, you know, that's been a, a pretty significant source of byproduct uh, supply of uranium for, for a number of years. And as you pointed out, some of these other um, mines that, uh, you know, the, the, the larger mines in the basin, these aren't 20 plus year mines anymore, right? So they have a limited uh, shelf life and you just, you really don't have um, a lot of new meaningful substantial production that can come online in a short period of time. There's some, uh, excellent development projects out there, but, um, you know, it's going to take time to get permitted. Uh, it's going to take time to, uh, be in a, um, a market environment that's conducive to, to financing, you know, the development of, of these mines. Now that, that can change quickly and, and, and we hope it does change quickly. Um, but, um, you know, we're certainly, I, I would say right now at, uh, you know the early innings early days of this recovery and and i think impending uh, bull market we're, we're not there quite yet um so yeah look it'll be it'll be interesting and and a uh, segue on that to the utility companies they've as we know they've been dormant more or less and they've been you know uh, playing hardball if you will with the with the mining companies over the last several years they're you know they're not contracting um right now uh they're you know they're trying to put pressure uh on you know the pricing of these contracts and uh and, and they want to obviously get best price uh that that they they can possibly get but you know this has happened in the past uh and you know in some cases it's uh I mean, you get this herd mentality where you know they push it to kick the can down the road Long enough and too far. Eventually, they have to come back to the market. They have to start contracting again. There's there's only so much material uh, that they can buy in the spot market and and other and and draw down inventories. And uh, you know, as we've seen in in previous cycles, um, you know, typically when you know one or two or three of them come back, you do see this rush. And you know, that's what creates these major price distortions and uh, very rapid. Moves higher as we've seen in the past, and uh, you know, as I as I see the uh, the clock continue to tick, and as we see, you know, in particular the last few years where um, you can see the you know the, this market rebalancing taking place, um, I, I just think they're getting closer and closer to that point where you know they're going to have really no choice, and and they're also going to have to be to a certain extent price takers, right? We know that the mining companies are not. Selling their material in long-term contracts or any significant amount in long-term contracts at uh, you know less than forty dollars a pound and and so you know I uh, look Camaco's shown per, shown um, uh, perfectly here that you actually don't have to produce a whole lot and you can have a pretty good looking chart right so that's uh, you know that's something to keep in mind where you know the there's this the, obviously there's a lot of discussions being had. Um, and you know, I, I'd, I'd like to think they're getting closer, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the mining companies are the ones that prevail. Um, you know, they will, as they've shown in the last several years, they will simply curtail production uh, and wait for this uh, rebalancing to take place, wait for this price discovery to happen, and then they'll come back to the table and they'll say, look, you know, here's, you know, here's the contract and here's the
0: price. Yeah, and meanwhile, they're probably accumulating shares of the equities out there, so there you go exactly (laughs) (laughs) no no, look as the price rises there'll be more incentive to push some of these projects it's like you know jabaluka rio that project when the price gets high enough they'll make a push again to try to get that project to move forward in spite of the environmental social problems Mm -hmm. Um, but no i think you're absolutely right i think the utilities will come hat in hand you know take a number and get in line essentially That's what has happened in the past. And I think also, you know, I don't think their behavior will change in that form. I I think that there will be a restocking period and the restocking just-in-time inventory type thought process versus just-in-case. And as we learned with COVID, a lot of people and a lot of companies thought, well, maybe we should reconsider how our supply chain is structured. You know, maybe we should start to move back towards a little bit of warehousing, this thought process that, you know, maybe we should keep a little more beans and rice in the pantry type of setup. I think that people have been reminded that uh, supply chains are quite sensitive and COVID reminded a lot of people of that. If you get a little bit lazy, these types of things are a fantastic reminder. Well, look, let's talk Sky Harbor here. Maybe just give us a, just a high level update here just on capital structure, the current shareholder ownership and also the cash on hand at this point. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. So uh,
0: just from a very high level for
1: the listeners that aren't familiar with the story, we are a high-grade uranium exploration company. Our project base is in the Athabasca Basin uh, in northern Saskatchewan. Uh, so, you know, our business is to go out and uh, make new discoveries, uh, delineate resources, and uh, you know, our ultimate goal is to uh, sell the company and uh, hopefully in a much better uranium market. Um, we we do act as a prospect generator as well, which we can talk a little bit more about later in the interview. So we've got multiple irons in the fire with. Several partner companies, uh, one of which is an industry leader and strategic partner of ours, Arano, France's largest uh, nuclear uh, fuel cycle um, and uh, uranium mining company. Uh, We have a partnership with them at one of our projects. And and then, as you're well aware, our other strategic partner is is Dennis and Mines. They're one of our largest shareholders. And uh, the uh, president and CEO, Dave Cates, uh, who you've had on the show before, is, is on our board. So very close working relationship uh between between us and, and Denison uh on the cap structure it's pretty straightforward there's about 99 million shares issued and outstanding uh we uh trade uh around a 25 26 million dollar canadian market cap uh so there's uh I think a very strong value proposition which is uh, I know something I would have probably highlighted uh, a year ago uh, we've traded up a little bit since then but um, you know it's still uh, relatively low I'd say um, and uh, certainly attractive relative to the peer group um, we've got about just over two and a half million uh, in the treasury so we're well funded we, we raised uh, Money late last year. There's uh, there was a fund uh, that uh, that has come in as the lead order on the last few financing. So we're seeing more of a institutional interest uh, in in uh, in the company, and in particular over the last few years. There's uh, outside of that fund. There's a few others uh, that are uh, that are large shareholders. Uh, OTP Bank, which is the largest bank in in Hungary, uh Cove. L2, uh, KCR fund, uh, and and several others. And and so these are uh, all relatively new uh, institutional investors. And and what's exciting too is uh, we're we're now starting to see, and this is really like literally in the last six or seven months, at least for us, we're starting to see more generalist interest. Uh, in in the company and uh, that's that's uh, you know that's something we really haven't seen um, for the last uh, several years Uh, and I I think that that's going to be a a big big um, catalyst going forward is as you see more generalist interest in this space Um, and there's you know a number of reasons why we're seeing more generalist interest, but as you see more generalist interest come into the space, um, you know that's where you get this potential for the the, the melt upwards as we've seen uh, with previous cycles. And you know I, I get back to one simple fact that the combined market capitalizations of all uranium uh, mining companies publicly traded is still less than twenty billion. Um, you know we have a, a sector that's gone from 2006, 2007, over 500 publicly listed companies to less than 40 active ones. And, uh, you know, a major contraction in the space. And, you know, keep in mind that nuclear power uh, accounts for 10% of the the global electricity grid. So, you know, the companies providing the fuel uh, for this uh, vital source of uh, the only source of baseload, clean, uh, CO2-free, emissions-free electricity. Um, These companies combine for a relatively small market cap and, and so as you see investor interest pick up um, you know you've heard people talk about this before but you know, this is what sets the stage for a, a very quick move higher and importantly for us um, it, you see capital flow down into the smaller cap names much quicker than you would if there were lots of other mining companies or ETFs or if you could buy physical uh, the physical commodity you can't you obviously can't do that for uranium so um, we're, we're well positioned. Uh, we're we're uh, well financed for our uh, upcoming uh, exploration and development plans. So the two and a half million that we have, I will note, we have about another $2 million on top of that, uh, that's going to be coming in from option payments that's in cash and stock issuance over the next several months. Uh, We we in December announced a definitive agreement with a new partner company uh, at our North Falcon Point project, uh, a company, Australian company called Valor Resources and uh, just uh, signed them up. Um, Looking forward to working with them. They're run by a very capable team out of Perth. Uh, George Bach, who's uh, running the company, is a, a a reputable mining executive from Perth, who's built uh, a number of mining companies previously, he's got some good uh, past experience in the uranium sector as well. Uh, so they're earning up to 80% of that project and uh, in, in order to complete that earn in over the next three years, it's about a, a $5.5 million uh, project consideration uh, in stock in cash and uh, the bulk of it in exploration expenditures.
0: Appreciate the overview on that and the updates. You know, I think the JV model, you know, for you guys letting some of those other projects come out that maybe aren't as attractive to you guys to be able to take some cash from those and to get other equivalents uh, supportive of, of shareholders as well. And as far as the cash use this year, Jordan, I suspect the bulk of that cash will go away with your planned operations this year. But can you just speak to where you plan on deploying that cash in 2021 and then, let me couple that with will you raise capital in 2021 at current prices or would you raise capital if the share price goes higher during the year
1: so the the current uh, financial position we're in we expect to that to cover us right through this year um the budget that we have uh at uh, on our project base is primarily focused uh at our flagship project moor lake which and we can talk more about, but that's that's uh, that's really our crown jewel. That's the focus. That's that's you know part of the reason we we are uh, optioning or joint venturing out the other projects is you know this is the the most advanced of, of the lot that we have, uh, and it's uh, it certainly has the uh, the best discovery potential. There is a small high grade uh, resource there, and we're expanding that. Uh, we're we're trying to make additional discoveries. Uh, the budget for uh, twenty. 21 at that project. We have an upcoming drill program that'll be about 750 to 900 thousand uh, dollars. Um, that'll get us between 2,500 to 3,000 meters of drilling. We'll likely carry out two programs um, uh, of that size this year. Um, we're just uh, going through the uh, the final plans and budgeting for that, but uh, we're we're obviously well covered uh, for for both of those. Um, And, um, you know, as I pointed out, we have cash and stock payments coming in from option partners to fortify the treasury Uh, and, you know, part of being a prospect generator is um, uh, the other companies that are earning in on these projects, uh, they're the ones that have to fund all of the exploration, so we're not on the hook. Uh, for uh, the exploration uh, activities and expenses at those other projects until they've completed the earn-in. And just on on a, on on a last note, um, as far as you know potential financing needs going forward. Um, I mean, look, we you know we we if we raise more money, we want it to be at a much higher price. Um, we feel that you know especially in the context of the market and what we've seen over the last particular few months even um I, I think we're in for much better days i think there's there's a you know there's a there's a a trend that's that's well in place now and and i see that continuing i think it's still the early days and and uh, uh, we have uh some exciting work programs and programs in upcoming catalyst company specific catalysts, catalysts at, at you know our flagship project Moore lake with the drilling but also partner funded programs that are other projects um so as i said i you know i don't foresee us having to we, certainly not having to raise money. Um, we, we, what we are looking to do, uh, and you know, just in December with this recent announcement with Valor, uh, this, this showcases our ability to do this, uh, is to execute on the prospect generator model and strategy and bring in uh, other partner companies. At some, we have a, a, a number of other 100% owned projects that we are uh, in active negotiations with potential partners on. And those deals can bring in additional capital cash stock and also um, ensure that the project is funded with the other company, the partner company coming in to fund it. Uh, so we would much rather raise capital through that uh, means than, than uh, have to continue to go to the market. Um, so yeah, so we're, you know, bottom line, we're we're in good financial shape. Uh, that the, You know, the, it certainly uh, helped a lot having, you know, this prospect generator component of the business. We will continue to execute on that. And then you know we're, we're well funded for the the drilling and the exploration plans we have at our
0: flagship project and jordan just wrapping up on capital structure here what average price do you own your shares in the company at this point have you made any on market purchases recently and will you be participating in future capital raises
1: yeah great question so you can see almost on a daily basis um, recently and at certain periods uh when i'm not in a blackout i typically buy almost on a daily basis, um, been continuing to add to my position over the last couple of years in the open market. I've participated in pretty much every financing that we've uh, that we've done. My average cost, I would say now, would be probably around 28, 29 cents Canadian. Um, and, uh, you know, I still see there being a very, very strong value proposition. Uh, you know, I said this a year ago, um, we are trading a little bit lower, but you know, I, I, I still believe it very much to this day. You can see that with my recent, uh, uh, purchases and, uh, I just see there being, um, a lot of upside from here.
0: Appreciate you sharing that Jordan. Cause I think it's important for, you know, management members to write checks from time to time. And, and as I say, instead of collecting them only, well, let's come back to more here in a moment give us just overall update on the other JV activities and where you are on those other projects.
1: Yeah. So, um, I talked a little bit about before we, we recently consummated a deal with this, uh, Australian company, uh, which is, I'd say, you know, the most topical of the, uh, joint venture partners currently, given that it's a new partner that, that we brought in, um, you know, as I said, very, uh, excited to work with the group uh george bach who runs valor resources out of uh, perth Um, uh, he's uh, as i said he's a very successful mining executive down there and um, he's partnered up with a a geologist out of saskatoon gary billingsley Uh, spoke with gary uh, just this morning actually and uh, they're excited to get to uh, work at our north falcon point project this is a property um, that Um, We had plans uh, to go and do a fairly extensive uh, exploration uh, programs back in 2015, 2016 prior to acquiring Moore Lake. Um, So this is a project that we have in our portfolio that we very, very much want to see exploration carried out on. There's a high grade surface showing. Of 68% U308. Um, That uh, is a bit of an enigma. It's one of these, you know, uh, question marks. We're not really sure how it got there, where it came from, but it came from somewhere. And, you know, if you can find the source of that mineralization at depth, uh, that's probably a major discovery. So uh, they've got the team and they've got uh, the uh, uh, financing to go and uh, to do to explore it and to advance it. And as I mentioned, it's a it's an earn-in option, so they they can uh, they can earn up to eighty uh, percent. We would retain a minority interest uh, upon completion of that. Uh, and in order to do that, uh, the uh, they have to spend three and a half million in exploration uh, over a three-year period. Uh, pay us uh, just under half a million in cash payments over three years and they're issuing uh 200, over 233 million shares uh of valor which is a, needless to say a big big chunk of the company uh will become uh one of the largest shareholders at the uh previous close of valor that's about 1.8 uh million canadian or australian and uh uh, it's It's great for us because it allows us to participate in the in the upside um you know they have success with the exploration if they go in there and they test some of these higher priority targets and they're able to make a new discovery uh as uh, uh one of their largest shareholders will be able to benefit from that uh so that's the that's the most recent uh and then as I would have talked about a year ago, we have two other partner companies. That have been actively exploring um, our projects over on the west side of the Athabasca Basin, uh, our Preston and East Preston projects, which are proximal to NextGen and to Fission, and kind of right in the thick of things over uh, where some of the more recent discoveries have been made uh, on the west, uh, the western flank of the basin. Uh, Arano, which is a strategic partner and much larger company, uh, they have uh, they can earn up to seventy percent at our Preston project by spending. Uh, a total of uh, eight, eight million um over uh, a six year period uh and then our other partner, as in court uh similar structure whereby they can earn up to seventy percent of our east Preston project uh by spending uh what what's going to work out to about five and a half million uh the bulk of that three and a half million is in or two and a half million was in uh, exploration expenditures a uh, million in uh, cash payments and then there was a uh, uh, fairly large share issuance as well now they're near completion of that earn in they will they have to make a small cash payment uh, they've completed the expenditure uh, requirements so we will likely form a joint venture uh, partnership with them uh, going forward and they do have plans to explore uh, continue the exploration at East Preston just last week announced uh, uh, the plans for a two thousand to twenty five hundred meter drill program uh, what's great about that that project is it's they've only drilled twelve holes uh since uh taking on the option so it's it's a project that's uh, got a lot of uh, ex, uh exploration and geological potential that's been relatively lightly tested they've done some really good work in the field uh and um I think with this uh, this upcoming drill program, uh, they could be on the verge of, of finding something uh, much more exciting and, and larger, and so we're, we're happy to uh, have them as a partner and looking forward to uh, the news flow that'll be generated from that program.
0: And lots of different odds and ends you guys have going with your other uh, projects out there besides, obviously, the flagship Moore Lake. Yeah, interesting deal there with the Australian company. You know, we always try to advocate to the audience that, you know, you're missing out a little bit on this market and the natural resource market. You have to be involved in both Perth and also Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And to sit out the uranium bowl without having any ASX listed stock exposure, I have to say you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice. And uh, Yeah,
1: sorry, I was just going to mention that was something I wanted to to bring up. But, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And if you look at you know there has been uh, relative outperformance for uh, the ASX mining companies versus their their counterparts here in North America, right? And I think part of that is they haven't had to compete against some of these other sectors that have caught you know investor interest uh, in in Canada and the U.S. over the last several years. And you can see that too, just on the you know on the the day to day trading where you know they, the the uh, ASX uh, mining companies um, you know they can they, they can have these big moves, and that's what that was another you know component to this new transaction, this new option agreement for Sky Harbor is, you know, not only is it great for, you know, both companies advancing the project, um, making sure that, um, you know, we, we have, again, this part of having multiple irons in the fire news flow generation, but, you know, I think it's going to open up a, a new audience. Um, and, you, you know, you don't have um, a lot of, there are there are Australian uranium mining companies, but you don't have, you um, I don't think really any ASX listed companies with an Athabasca basin focus. Uh, so it's going to bring, I think, um, a, a whole new audience uh, up to the basin uh, for, you know, Athabasca companies and uh, Athabasca exploration codes. And so that's, you know, that's another part of it where um, I think it could open the door for uh, renewed or, or new investor interest going forward.
0: Yeah. And look, people, you know, often laugh at Australia if listed stocks for the the penny dreadful type uh, share structures they have. And just looking at uh, Valor Resources here, and while it might be a classic penny dreadful, you know, look, we, we love some ASX listed uranium stocks, but a tenth of a penny to, uh, to you know, eight tenths. Um, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so it's a pretty good know, return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, the, some of the penny dreadfuls, they won't be penny dreadfuls, I can tell you when this is over. Good point about the ASX and the mining companies out of Perth. If it ain't Canadian-based, probably Australian-based, and uh, the U.S. is pretty much non-existent in the mining sector. So, uh, you know, you have your two choices um, when it comes to certain companies. So, well, let's move on. Let's talk the South Bay project, Jordan, Um, you know, copper, zinc, silver, if I'm not mistaken. Given this project is a non-core asset, obviously, to the Sky Harbor uranium focus, What's your plan to maybe monetize this project either by selling it outright or doing some type of a joint venture deal? Yeah, so it's it's a non-core asset. And
1: you know, we and, and I, you know, I wanna be crystal clear on this, we are a pure play uranium company, but you know, it's something in the portfolio legacy asset. Uh, was a past producing mine, actually. It's a, it's a great little asset. Um, we are currently talking with a few different companies active in Ontario uh, that are looking at it. And it's a project that I hope this year I would like to think we can get a good deal done on it, especially with the uh, you know base metal prices starting to move, precious metal prices starting to move a little bit. Um, I think we can, uh, you know, we've kind of had it sitting in the portfolio because the previous Discussions we have haven't uh, really uh, amounted to anything of any meaningful value. So I think that uh, with the uh, improving metals markets in general, we'll be able to get something uh, significant for it.
0: And on to the Moore Lake project here, you kind of just overviewed your plan generally for 2021 and maybe you could just reiterate that, but what else is being done at Moore Lake really to prove up the existence of a continuous deposit at Maverick And do you see that this project will ultimately potentially become a series of smaller discoveries and deposits within a mineable economic radius within the project area or do you see that there's really potential to continue to expand the deposit at Maverick? Well, I mean,
1: look, there's you know, I think we covered this off um at length in the in the f- the, the previous uh, interview, but uh for the audience that doesn't know much about uh, Moor Lake as our flagship project, it's you know, as I said, it's the focus for us and uh there was a historical discovery made there back in the early 2000s actually by my my geological team led by Rick Kismerski, so they you know, they know the project uh the best um and then it wound up in the hands of Dennison when they acquired uh Ricks Company JNR when they bought it out in 2012 and then we uh did cut the deal with them in 2016 to uh, effectively reacquire it with some new thinking in how we go in and we'd we'd expand the known high grade that's there there was the discovery hole uh or the main, main discovery hole was a 4% over 10 meter intercept and uh, right at the unconformity so most of the the historical mineralization that had been found was 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 right it was either in the sandstone or right at the unconformity uh which is which is interesting in in itself because that does open up um you know the potential for there to be um some of these new mining methods that are being proposed uh, like uh, isr at wheeler saber which is a joint venture partnership uh uh, and method that's being developed by uh, two partners of ours, Arano and denison um it's It's something that we are paying attention to that we're we're looking at, given that what we have currently there are these high grade pods or lenses along this four and a half kilometer long conductive corridor that straddle the unconformity um, but to answer your question and and I think the bigger you know, the bigger point, talking point here, at least in the immediate future for us and for shareholders is what's the discovery potential? What more can you prove up? And just in the last couple of years, in the last few drill programs, we've really honed in on basement hosted targets. And that's what's really exciting about this project currently and going forward is we feel, we believe that there is a much larger deposit uh, or zones of mineralization depth in the basement rock and the feeder zones. We, we really didn't have, up until you know four or five years ago, the ability to properly target these deeper zones, we've had some you know, geof- new geophysical techniques and just a better understanding of, of the geology, the geochemistry, that's allowed us to more effectively target these basement hosted zones. And so if you look at just even our last few news releases with the last drill program, um, we announced a 17 and a half meter zone of 0.72% U308. Within that 10 meters, a 1%, that's pretty much, that's all basement hosted. That's the longest, the 17 and a half meters uh, is the longest continuous zone mineralization that's been reported on the, on the project to date. Uh, so we are now seeing these longer zones of mineralization um and what we're planning to do what we're we're looking to do with upcoming drill programs is follow up on that and and hopefully tap into something a a higher grade uh and and bigger at depth um but you know again there's it's not to discredit what's already there and uh, certainly our exploration strategy early on with the project was finding additional or expanding on these high grade Pods or lenses uh, in a, uh, basically at the unconformity there's four and a half kilometers of strike of corridor only about two and a half kilometers of that has been systematically drill tested there's still room to move even uh, within that two and a half kilometers and it's so it's it's open along strike and uh, as I pointed out with these new basement hosted targets it's wide open at depth so there's very uh, very robust discovery potential. Still remaining at more uh, i mean again we we have a big portfolio of projects. The fact that we focused pretty much all of our time effort and money specifically on Moore Lake over the last few years uh, you know shows that we you know this is where we believe we have uh, we're, we're closest to making uh, the the next big high grade discovery in the basin and you know again, as we've seen with previous success stories like next gen or or fission or more recently iso energy. You know, one drill hole can completely change the fate of the company uh, in a very short period of time, and uh, uh, you know, so we're we're excited to get back to work there. Um, Again, look out for news flow on that uh, over the coming months. And um, you know, it's a good uh, the the prospect generator part of the business, partner companies at these other projects is a great complement to what we're doing at our flagship project.
0: And Jordan, talk about the location in terms of the proximity to Denison's Wheeler River when denison and i say when not if builds out phoenix do you see that if a notable deposit is established at moore lake that Moore will substantially benefit from denison's work nearby uh, yeah i mean
1: look the the proximity we're about 15 kilometers east uh, of uh of uh wheeler um the haulage road that goes up to macarthur river um is uh straddles um straddles are uh, it goes right in between our two projects. Uh, so we're proximal to uh, infrastructure. You've got the Key Lake Mill just to the Southwest. And, you know, obviously as uh, one of our larger shareholders and a strategic partner of ours, we're, you know, we're watching closely. We, uh, uh, you know, what they're doing at, at at Wheeler and at the Phoenix Deposit, uh, I, I think is uh, um, transformative uh, for the basin. Um, you know, the ISR mining method uh, will open up a lot of, uh previously uh, completely written off uh, deposits i think um, in the basin and so it's exciting to see what uh, what's coming out of there and they've you know dave and the team have done a a fantastic job over the last several years since announcing that uh, back in 2018 of uh, de-risking it and advancing the project
0: what are your expectations or management's expectations for what you guys see as something that is attractive for suitor companies in the future so let's call it a mid late stage bull market but what do you see in terms of discovery size and economic profile that would really attract a potential suitor yeah i mean look you, you do need
1: to have some critical mass um with the deposit right and so that's something we're you know we, we we're striving to do we you know we needless to say believe that uh, the pounds are in the ground, and we just have to go out there and find them at Moore Lake. Um, you know the other projects um, and the and the partner-funded projects. Uh, you know, look, they're all uh, they all have the potential for major discoveries, right? Uh, the, the geology's right, and uh, we we in, in in almost all of our projects, there you know they've all been to a, a, a various extents drilled, and and they're you know they've got. Mineralization. They have showings. There's, you know, all the right ingredients there. Uh, but you know, as you know, with uh, exploration, mineral exploration, and in the discovery process in the basin, it can take time. Um, but you know, ultimately, yeah. Look, we wanna we wanna find the next major. Deposit, um, or um, you know, not to uh, again getting back to you know what we currently have at our flagship, um, you know, having these smaller higher grade lenses. They, you know, if you have enough of those, they do add up, right? Um, so you know, we're we're we're, we're looking at uh, all of that, and we're you know prioritizing as far as our drilling is concerned, uh, our highest priority targets where we think we can get the most bang for a buck. You know, every dollar we raise. We want to make sure we're generating a return on it, and you know one of the things that we have uh, done quite well over the last several years, in particular, is using some new, you know, new techniques, new exploration methodologies to refine targets uh, and to uh, garner new targets. Uh, in particular, at Moore Lake, we've we've had success flying drone geophysical surveys. That's helped with identifying and refining targets in the basement rocks, and these are all low-cost methods. Um, less capital-intensive methods to uh, to making uh, additional discoveries and expanding known zones of mineralization.
0: Jordan, as you know, there's a large concentration of aspiring uranium explorcos in the basin region. And in fact, uh, quite a huge amount as compared to all other uranium jurisdictions around the world. And I really think to some degree, it'd be silly of an investor to just buy them all on a hope of discovery and advancement. My question is how will Sky Harbor how have they and how will they going forward differentiate themselves from all of the other peers in the basin? Yeah, it's a great question. And,
1: you know, just to back up a little bit on that, the, yes, there are, there are some new companies that have come into the basin. Um, You know, we just spent some time talking about it, you know, our new partner company, and there's a few others, but, you know, it's still, uh, still a relatively small universe. And there's a reason that there aren't many explore codes uh, outside of the basin it's because you know one um the commodity the price um really isn't conducive to you know greenfields exploration in most other jurisdictions that don't have this kind of high grade uh potential, right? Um so really it's just the like the explore cos uranium explore codes are pretty much just concentrated for the most part in the basin. Um, and, and, you know, that's the, you know, more or less the investable universe of, of exploration companies. Um, you know, as far as how we differentiate our story and our company from, from our peers, you know, one, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'd say, you know, re- the relative value. Um, and, you know, I, I still think it's a very attractive entry point given our valuation and given our asset base. You know, I will note two projects, uh, uh, our flagship Moore Lake and Falcon Point, which we've you know now uh, optioned the upper half or the uh, the northern uh, third of it, sorry, uh, to Valor. We still have the uh, bottom or the southern uh, two thirds of it, which hosts an NI 43-101 resource uranium resource for one of the few sub 50 million market cap uh, junior companies that actually has a NI 43-101 compliant uranium deposit. Um, those two projects were in a company back in the last uranium boom in 2006, 2007, that uh, at one point had a valuation north of $250 million, right? So there, you know, this just shows the kind of re-rating potential as we, as we get into a much better uranium market uh, with the, with the current asset base uh, that we have, not to mention the other assets, uh, other projects that we have. I, the other, the other big talking point too, you know, as I just highlighted some of the recent, uh, Drill results. Look, there's very, there's a lot, there's there's companies exploring and drilling. There's not a lot of um, smaller cap exploration companies that are actually generating uh, significant drill results or uh, you know uh, announcing significant drill results. So we'd obviously, you know, we feel like there's more to be found at the Maverick corridor. We think that there's going to be the potential for much higher grade mineralization uh, for us to discover. But you know, it's 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 uh, these are still pretty significant. Uh, intercepts that were that we've been announcing over the last several years, and we're adding pounds uh, with with each new drill hole in each new zone that we discover um, and then you know I'd say uh, we have you know as I talked about, we have this prospect generate this dual uh, strategy uh, first foremost discovery a discovery company exploration company focused at our flagship but we have this secondary strategy of prospect generation which you know as i pointed out earlier we talked at length about the benefits of that there's you know not many other uh, peer companies doing that uh, and then last but not least and i think this is you know i'd say something that we've seen uh, over the last five or six years where you know there's we've remained focused on uranium we are a pure play uranium exploration and early stage development company and You know, we talked a little bit about South Bay, but that's something that we're looking to sell or option out. And so, you know, it's you get direct exposure to uranium uh, as an investor in Sky Harbor.
0: I think those are all fine points. and I had that question ties in with this next question. So I guess you get a dual opportunity here. But potential investors who are listening, what would you say to them at this stage at current price levels? Market cap sitting at 26 million Canadian. You know why should they look at Sky Harbor now, Jordan? And and what will you be doing in the near term to drive value on behalf of the shareholders? And just would couple that with probably where it is today is is a bit of a rounding error as to where we see that uh, most of the equities in this sector are headed.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I I think he can break that into two components. You know, one is I'm um, firmly I firmly believe that we are uh, again very much in the early days of. Uh, I think, a significant uranium bull market, which is going to, you know, it's going to be a rising tide and you're going to see a re-rating of, you know, all of the companies. And, you know, again, I want to point out, you know, and and really hammer this point home. There aren't many companies. There is not. There are not many ways to uh, get direct investment exposure to uranium so it doesn't you don't have to necessarily be a great stock picker in this sector right now because there aren't that many companies and there's been a consolidation of good assets and good people into the few companies that have stuck it out. Now we are starting to see new companies come in, um, which is great for a prospect generator business. Um, but you know, bottom line is, is it's not a crowded space. And you know, as we see capital, uh, especially generalist money flow into it, you're gonna see, I think a pretty rapid move in, you know, not just Sky Harbor share price, but in, in, in all of our peers as well. Um, and uh, the second part to that is we have a lot going on this year uh, at the projects uh, at our Moore Lake project with the drilling uh, coming up and planned for this year. Uh, we feel we've made great progress there, especially you know with these new basement targets. We, we feel like we're you know we've just scratched the surface to, to something much larger. And then you know partner funded projects. Um, uh, and, and programs that will be carried out here um, over the next several months. Um, we've got uh, drilling uh, at East Preston with, with Azincourt We've got the initiation of work at uh, North Falcon Point, with Valor, and uh, look out for additional uh, announcements on new partner companies as well. You know, Outside of South Bay, we have a handful of other 100% owned uranium projects that were uh, in active negotiations uh, with potential partners on, so keep an eye out for that uh, as
0: well. And Jordan, for the audience listening to this discussion, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and the company? I'm always available. Um, you can visit
1: our website at uh, skyharborltd.com. All of our contact info uh, is on the website. Uh, you can uh, take a look. We, we've got all of the pertinent information uh, up on the website. Uh, we're, uh, we're active on social media with updates. You can follow us on uh, the various social media platforms, Uh, So, yeah, anyone that has any uh, additional questions wants to reach out to me, I'm I'm happy to uh, uh, field any questions.
0: Well, Jordan, appreciate the chat. Thanks for coming back on to update with Sky Harbor and uh, best of luck out there.
1: Thank you, Andrew. It was a pleasure.